Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Joining us back here for another episode of Talking Twins. We always appreciate it. This is Bradley Swanson. I'm here with my co-host, Daryl Yates. We appreciate you guys joining us for another another great episode. We have, we've got a lot of fun this this episode as we talked uh, previously. We do have Jeremy Nygaard joining us later on the In the Dugout segment. And, Jeremy, we're going to talk with him about the uh, 2017 MLB draft and all that's in, in store for the Minnesota Twins. So we'll we'll get to that in the In the Dugout segment. Just remember real quickly, you can check us out on our website. It is www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Appreciate it if you check us out on social media as well. Facebook, you can check us out at www.facebook.com slash Talking Twins. And our Twitter handle is at Talking Twins. Now, we, we had the uh, Hunter Green uh, baseball giveaway that ended this past week. Uh, stay tuned. We do have a lot more giveaways coming as we go through the summer. So always keep checking the handle uh, on Twitter at Talking Twins for the. And latest. congratulations to Heidi Burns. Yes. From Stillwater, Minnesota. Yes, Heidi. For winning, for, for, for winning the Hunter Green baseball. Congratulations, Heidi, indeed. And so that'll be coming out to you soon. So you know, you know, keep watching. You'll you know check your check your mail, check your mailbox. Uh, your your you know wherever your mailman's going to be dropping that. For that that Hunter Green baseball and like I said, check out the the handle on Twitter at Talking Twins, and you'll be ready to look for the next Talking Twins giveaway. So with that, we're going to get into the Down on the Farm segment, and we're going to do a quick rundown of the stars of the week for us in the Down on the Farm segment, and then of course we'll take a break. We'll come on back in the second half of the show, and we'll sit down for a nice long chat with Jeremy Nygaard from Twins Daily, talking about the uh, 2017 MLB draft. So as we start the Down on the Farm segment, we are going to start, of course, with our friends in Cedar Rapids, the Cedar Rapids Colonels at the low A level. And I'm going to turn it over to Daryl for his Colonel Star of the Week. Well, and I have Tyler Wells. He's a 22-year-old that was selected by the Twins in the 15th round last year in 2016. Uh, now, in he the last game, he played six scoreless innings while giving up just two hits walking none, and striking out seven batters. Nice. On the year, Brad, Tyler's a 3-0 with a 2-0-5 ERA. Uh, hitters are just, uh, bad batters are just hitting a buck 86 off him, and he's racked up 62 strikeouts to just 12 base on balls. So he is my star of the week for Cedar Rapids. No, no, very nice numbers indeed. Can't argue with Tyler Wells when I saw that was your choice. It kind of made me really work a little bit for my choice, but I did find a guy down there who 
from the offensive side of the, uh, of the standpoint, excuse me, should be the star of the week, and that is uh, our shortstop, Jermaine Palacios. And Jermaine hitting yep. 325 over the last 10 games. It's a 13-for-40 clip, a double, a triple, two homers, eight RBIs, seven runs scored, mixed in a couple of stolen bases. And if that wasn't enough, we get to say congratulations, Jermaine, because you have been named the starting shortstop for the Midwestern League East Division in the 2017 Midwest League All-Star Game. So congratulations to Jermaine Palacios being named one of six Cedar Rapids Colonels to the uh, 2017 MLMWL, the Midwestern League All-Star Game. And Jermaine has been named, again, the starting shortstop in the 2017 Midwest League All-Star Game for the East Division. So with that, for the Colonels, that'll be uh, Taylor or Tyler Wells excuse me, and Jermaine Palacios. Well, and Jermaine has been looking really good lately. I mean, he's been... He's going to be in Fort Myers really quick. Yes, he will, definitely. And with that, we're going to move on to the high A, which are our friends in Fort Myers, the Fort Myers Miracle. And this week I have uh, Xander Wheel. It was, you know, it was tough. And uh, Daryl found a pretty good pitcher, and I'll let him get to him in just a moment. Boy, from an offensive standpoint, it was it was pretty tough to, to find somebody down there that was, you know, they, they haven't had a lot of offensive production down there or guys be hot for extended periods of time, but, Xander Wheel still putting up some pretty good numbers over his last 10 games, a 342 average, a 13 for 38 clip, that is, a double, couple homers, uh, four RBIs and three runs scored. So uh, my star of the week, the the first baseman, Xander Wheel. And with that, Daryl, who's your star from Fort Myers? Well, and I did Derek Rodriguez, uh, the 25-year-old that was uh, selected by the Twins back in uh, 2011. Sixth round. Now he made the transition from the outfielder to pitcher in 2013. Now over the last week, uh, he just allowed three hits, a walk, and over six solid innings while striking out six batters. And on the year so far in 2017, he's 4-2 with a 2.66 ERA. He's got 49 punchouts and 10 walks. So Derek Rodriguez is looking really sharp so far in high A. I would agree with that as well. So, again, our Fort Myers Miracle stars of the week are Derek Rodriguez and Xander Wheel. And with that, it means it's time for us to go to double A and the Chattanooga Lookouts. Now, I'll let Daryl start off. We've got a couple yeah, of Yeah, I'm going to go first, Brad, because I'm going to let you have your guy for your the actual star of the week because I sure. took uh, Fernando Romero. And I know you took another pitcher, but I'm going to go first here. I may have. So, Fernando Romero had three quality starts in a row, and that's why I picked him. Uh, you know, he went, uh, you know, I thought he was pretty solid. Seven innings, two runs, no walks, and eight strikeouts. Uh, over the last, uh, you know, he's been, he's pitched, he's four and five with a 3-5-1 ERA. Uh, he's got 59 strikeouts, or 57 strikeouts, 22, uh, base on balls. You know, batters are currently hitting a 249 base on, base on ball, or base on average, average against them. But that'll probably dip as he gets going. And he had a slower start. Now he's moving on and his, uh, batters average against is, uh, 221. So right now, 249, I think that'll go down as it, as we continue on because he's heating up. But right now, 
he's pitching solid, and I'll let you go ahead and name your uh, star of the week. Well, that would be this this guy that's been pitching pretty well down there in uh, in Chattanooga as well, and that is uh, Stephen Gonzalez, of course. Yes. Uh, uh, Mr. Gonzalez over his last uh, uh, ten games, a couple of starts, one on one record. But I don't want you to focus on the record. I want you to focus. You more. never, you never focus on the record. No, but but tune into the numbers that come after that. A one point six four ERA, uh, over eleven innings pitched, only five hits allowed, just two earned runs, and check out the ratio of sixteen strikeouts to four walks, and those are back to back eight strikeout games. So. You know, Stevens right back on. You know, obviously after coming back from injury, he's starting the last couple of starts, just starting to really click and get back in the groove. And that's what, of course, the Twins want to see because this is a guy that you know they're they're counting a lot on, and they're they need you. They they need him to be a part of this part of this. You know. So, Brad, do you think he's going to be up in the Twins territory this year or next? I mean, the Twins need pitching, boy, and we know that. Gonzalez is right there. He's ready to go. I mean, he was held back six weeks because of a neck strain. Is he going to be up this year, do you think? Oh, I, I think with, with some of the recent uh, events that we've seen, for example, as we talked, you know, as, as we'll, we did mention, you know, we'll mention later in the show, it was one of our kind of our breaking news pieces, but, you know, Hector Santiago going on the DL today. Right. Um, that That's a piece right there. Um, I think the fact that they're still not seeing any – you know, other than Irvin Santana and, you know, Barrios, they're not getting consistent starting pitching. I mean, Santiago has not well, been Santiago's not. Gibson, we don't know about. Gibson, uh, we don't know about. Roberto Mejia is up and down. I He's think, looking okay. I think Mejia, Mejia they're going to leave him up here, though, just because. It, of course. Yep. They, they've seen what they've seen from him in AAA. They need to see it up here. But then still, that leaves two spots open. I mean, how long is Santiago going to be hurt? We don't know. It's a it's a shoulder strain right now. Those easily turn into all oh, the guys off for six to eight weeks, you know. So right. I mean, that's going to be one thing, and they've still got that other spot to figure out. Is it going to be Gibson? Is it going to be you know what's it going to be? Uh, they mean Hughes's, you know Hughes's injury has to be figured out because the last time he had that feeling in the shoulder, it was the whole reason they did the thoracic surgery and took the rib out, and now he's having that same stress feeling in the shoulder again. So, you know, there, there's a couple things that are going to have to work out there, but I think I, I, I look at it this way, is if they get into after August 15th and they're even close to where they are right now, and right now there's, you know, I understand they got, you know, they got beat up pretty bad by Seattle last night, uh, you know, but if, if you look at it, if they, can, if they can stay around and they're within either a couple of games of that, that AL Central spot, or they're at least within a wild card, you know, realistic chance of winning one of those two wild card spots. I think that if it's that way, August fifteenth, you got a pretty good chance that. Remember, Gonzalez has to be added to the forty man. Yes. So now and that's that, a big thing right there. That's a big thing right there. Now they have made some moves. You know, they did they did uh, sell Jason Wheeler off to the Dodgers for cash. That was a deal that I was really surprised that happened um, late last week, early this week. It was a deal that was pretty, like, kind of quiet in terms that it happened, but yet, you know, they, they, they moved Jason Wheeler from the 40-man roster and, the, and then basically traded him to the Dodgers for some money. So you've got that spot open. 
they'll you know you'll have to see what happens with you know Hughes and or Santiago. But if those if those also both turn into spots where they're going to have to go on the sixty day DL or anything long term like that, we don't know that yet. But if that happens, I'd say if you look at the fact that if they're in a, in a playing spot on August fifteenth, you know, getting that far of the season, I think you know Gonzalez has a chance. The fact that Gonzalez was held back by the you know the the injury for you know almost two months, I think that does bode kind of in Steven's favor because if they do want to get him at least up to 100 to 125 inning count, you know, he's going to have the whole, you know, they're not going to have to worry about, you know, managing his innings towards the end of the year. He's going to have that whole shot to play with because he didn't have to pitch in the first, you know, month and a half, almost two months of the season. So I think it's going to really depend on where the, the Twins are at. And, I mean, right now it looks like they could play competitive to that point. I mean, it doesn't look like they've really, you know, shown anything and i don't think anyone else in the division has shown anything where you know somebody else is just going to take this over cleveland hasn't played consistent enough detroit's been you know up or down and i mean detroit's aging offense do they can they score runs the whole season i you know i don't know can they i mean that's that's a couple of 30 you know five plus year old guys i don't know that they're scoring runs like that in the dog days of august you know kansas city has not shown that they're ready to play yet and Chicago's fallen a little bit. So I think the Twins have a chance to be competitive. And if they are in the middle of August, yeah, I think Gonsalves has a chance to, you know, they might go, hey, you know, let's, nice. you know, let's put them on the 40-man and, you know, let's see what happens. So, yeah, I think the, the opportunity's there. We'll just have to see how the club plays in the next 60 days. I mean, that's going to that's gonna make, I think more than anything he does, he's going to be fine in the Southern League. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be what they do in the next two months that's going to make that determination. So that's, again, our, our stars down in wow. Chattanooga are Fernando and Romero, and excuse me, Fernando Romero and Steven Gonzalez. And with that, we go to AAA to round it out with the Rochester Red Wings. And this week I have a picture from Rochester, and I will say this. Daryl took one of, their, one of the offensive players in Rochester, probably the only guy in Rochester. Well, I was kind of torn on uh, the pitcher or uh, – Main guy, well, I, I don't know. I'll but say you this. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say this. By you taking the, the, the guy that you took, and Daryl did take an offensive player, it yes. pretty much, I mean, me looking at how Rochester has played the last 10 days, there was nobody else from an offensive right. standpoint. It was really, really, really hard after seeing, you know, and, that, and that's fun. I mean, I, I like And who, that's Rochester. That's the way it goes sometimes. And, and I like who Daryl took. So when he told me that that's the guy he was going to, you know, take as a star of the week, I'm like, hey, that's fine. I, you know, you got your guy, and I, I appreciate that. Of course, it made my work a lot harder in finding a star of the week in <laughs> Rochester. But I, I did find a guy who was kind of flying under the radar from a pitching standpoint, and it's a guy we've talked about before. I know I've had him as a star of the week before. He's a, you know. You know, a little bit of a, I don't want to say an older guy, but an aging guy in terms of, you know, the farm system. That's David Hurlbutt. Now, in his last, uh, he's pitched three starts in, in the last ten games. One and two, you know, again, we, we always talk about not focus so much on the record. ERA is a little higher than you like to be at 3.57. But over seven and, 17 and two-thirds innings pitched, I like the fact that it's only seven earned runs that he's given up during that time. The one thing I do like is a, is a strikeout-to-walk ratio, 14 strikeouts to just two balls on bases given up in that last three games. And that was including uh, today the, on Wednesday afternoon an 11K performance against the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre team 
that they faced down there in Rochester. So, uh, like I said, it was it was tough. What, you know, you'll hear who Daryl stars in a moment, you'll, and you'll know exactly what that guy is, the star of the week in Rochester. He above my guy wholeheartedly. But it was tough to find another star down there. They haven't been hitting the ball very well in Rochester. Um, pitching hasn't exactly been very strong either down there. Hurl Butts has pitched, you know, pretty decently in his last, you know, three starts over ten days. So that was my star of the week. And I'm going to turn over to Darryl for the final star for the Down on the Farm Stars of the Week. Well, and, you know, I was really looking. It was tough after a couple, uh, after a few days. And I thought Nick Turley, because he had that 15 strikeouts uh, yesterday, uh but, you know, over we, we do a week span, and he didn't have a great outing his last outing. He gave up five earned runs. But I went with Zach Grandigan, and I still think at some point in this year, and it's, I don't think it's going to be too, you know, too far out, but Zach Grandigan is going to be up and running with the Minnesota Twins. And over the last 10 games, Brad, uh, Zach is hitting three thirty three. He's got uh, three doubles, uh, or excuse me, three triples, uh, a couple doubles, a couple RBIs, three stolen bases, nine runs scored. On the year now, he's got a total of uh, his bad average is 297. He's got 12 stolen bases, which leads the Twins organization. And as a reminder, if you didn't catch our last episode, you know, last year in 2016, he had 56 stolen bases. So he's got speed. And it's not faster than a Byron Buxton speed, but he's just got that know-how. He knows how to steal bases. He's got that, he's got that it factor that base stealers need. That Ricky Henderson, uh, type of, uh, know-how on how to do it. Um, He's got 11 extra base hits, 10 RBI, 23 runs scored. So it's not going to be long, I think, probably in July or August before before Zach uh, gets a chance at uh, coming up and being a big league player. I think the biggest thing in, in that aspect is going to be the fact that they've already got four outfielders, and I, I don't know that Molitor wants a, a, a fifth outfielder that's just an outfielder, so I think injury is going to have to play some of that. Um, well, you know, injury or trade? Well, injury or, yeah. or trade? And I think trade. And I think trade's the bigger aspect because I think a guy like Robbie Grossman could be a that's guy. I was just, yep. just going to ask you, Brad. You got Grossman, and you know he he's kind of your one that people would think that would be traded first, and you got Rosario. I think Kepler and Buxton are mainstays, so you got Rosario and and. And Kepler, and it, or, excuse me, Rosario and Grossman. And, Grossman. Yeah. and I think if if your if your mindset is you're 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 doing that trade, in the back of your mind you're going, all right, we're ready to bring Zach Granite up, we're ready to bring this guy up as a fourth outfielder. I think if you look at in your mind, a Grossman right now is going to provide the the better trade value in terms of the on base percentage, the the veteran player. You know, I mean, nothing, and it's nothing against Eddie. I want when I say this, I want to preface that it's nothing against well, Eddie. Well, because Eddie's gonna Eddie's gonna Eddie's gonna provide the youth. But I also I also look at it, I also look at it this way. It's kind of a it's kind of a two pronged deal here because 
you know, Grossman, yes, to a, another GM. Let's say it's on a contending team, obviously, number one. That'd be who they'd be looking to deal Grossman to. And you're going to get a guy that's going to, you know, provide that, that solid on-base percentage. He's going to get on base a fair amount of time. He's a guy that can play probably, you know, left or you know left and right in the corner spots. And that would be somebody that might be of value to a team as a fourth outfielder. Now, what that also does then, why, why that looks good for the Twins is then if you're going to bring Zach Granite up, now really Zach Granite defensively could play any of the three positions in the outfield. Oh, easily, yeah. And that's the difference is if if, if the guy you're looking to trade, you're looking to when you're looking to trade somebody out of the you know out of the outfield, I mean it's twofold. You have to trade the guy that's going to probably provide you you know obviously you're not trading Buxton, you're not trading Kepler. So when you're looking at trading Rosario versus Grossman, Grossman right now probably provides you the value in the deal. But also it's the fact that if you do that and you have your starting outfield of Rosario, Buxton, and Kepler, any night you need to, to interchange Granite, he's going to be able to defensively to play left, center, or right. I mean, even if it's giving Buxton a night off, Zach Granite could play center field in, in target field tomorrow, and he'd be fine with it. There, there'd be no issue with you know Granite not being able to speed to get to balls. Is he going to make all those Byron Buxton plays right away? Well, probably not, but I mean that—that's asking—that's asking a ton on anybody. I mean, Byron Buxton has already made enough plays this year to, you know, to fill a highlight reel for you know several years for a player. But could Zach Granite comfortably play center field? Sure, he could. Could he play left? Yeah. Could he play right? Yeah. He, he's not going to be, you know, held back by his speed or his ability to play outfield. And I think so. That's to me, it's that's what's going to become the the situation. I mean, obviously, injury can obviously jump into play and. and you, me, Karnak, you know, crystal ball holder. None of us can really, you know, you know, honestly go. Well, yeah, I know a guy's going to get hurt next Thursday. Really? Because if you're that good, there'd be 32 G or 31 GMs that would hire you in the league in an instant if you could tell them when right. guys are going to get hurt. Oh yeah, you know, you can tell me that my first baseman's going to, you know, blow an ankle next Thursday. You know, well, great. But that's, you know, the reality is that's not, that's not feasible. So if you're looking at when that would be a better chance of Granite coming up. I agree with you. It's a, it'd be a trade situation. And that'd be, I'd say, more start looking around the All-Star break, maybe a little before, you know, right around that time, though. Which is coming up pretty quick. Which is coming up pretty quick. And that might be when a team goes, you know, yeah, we know you guys are, are, are in a race still, but we'd like to give you maybe a high-A pitcher, you know, for Grossman. And maybe the Twins go, well, you know what? We can bring Zach Granite up. We're not really going to be, you know, we'll be down, a, you know, we will maybe won't have Robbie's on base percentage, but we'll have a guy that can play three outfield spots and he comes up. And a guy that's a good pitch, number, number two, a guy that's an insane pinch runner. Because, boy, there's a lot of pinch running situations where you could utilize Zach Granite. So, there, you know, there's that to that, that situation, too. And at that point, you know, maybe the Twins go, hey, you know, if we can get a high A, you know, pitcher for Robbie Grossman, and it, you know, it helps us the next couple of years. And let's not just say it could be Robbie Grossman. There could be, it could be one of the, it, it could be a MLB player right now, one of our youth guys. Well, such as what do you mean? Well, it's not going to be Kepler or Buxton. But Rosario could be one of those guys. Boy, I mean, if they're going to trade Rosario, then I, I think the, the, the difference is this. I, I mean, with, with Grossman, the ceiling is what it is. It's not going any higher. Well, but 
you could get more for if you're looking for better yes prospects yes. in return. But I think and you know you have Polka. I think my point is and granite, and that was my point is if you're gonna if you're gonna deal Rosario, for example, the asking price has to be to me a little higher than if you're gonna deal Grossman. Well, a little higher because not not only does he play outfield, but he's a second baseman. But his batting is inconsistent. And we've we've seen that across the board for the last three years. I, right, but the difference now it's better. It's better. It seems like it's better, but he's not hitting three hundred or anything. No, but the difference is this: is so is it is, is it's something that it's something that Swift fans should consider and and watch out for because Rosario could be on the trading block. I, I think I think actually I think. Every Twins player except for Sano is on the trading block. Well, he could, but my point is this: is when you look at Grossman, there the the ceiling is set. I mean, it, it, Grossman's you know what, twenty six, yeah. twenty seven years old. The player he is is the player he is. That that is not going to and change. He's a, great, he's a great player. He he his OBS is higher than we've ever seen. But the player he is is. But if they're looking for if they're looking for uh, to obtain some prospects, then. I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, if no, I agree with you. I mean, I Grossman and Rosario is the one that is moved because you have someone like Zach Granite. No, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you. If they, if their mindset is to, you know, if they're looking at it in, in mid June and they're like, well, we're in it, but we're, you know, we're kind of in it, you know. No, I, I mean, I can see where right. either guy could get moved. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing the the concept of either guy getting moved. And either way. If it's you know if it's if it's uh, Rosario getting moved to me that wouldn't necessarily mean that Grossman gets the full time job and left either because that right. could still no, be because you got Granite coming up right because that could still be Zach Granite coming up and they might still tell Grossman okay maybe you're not and I don't think you'd be missing out on anything well and I don't think if that you got rid of Rosario <laughs> and I and I also don't think that it, you know Zach Rano would get the job wholeheartedly either. I think you'd basically there have like a 3A, 3B kind of situation where, you know, right. Grossman's going to get the, the you know, the playing time some nights, especially if it works out better from a, you know, matchup standpoint, lefty-righty. And then obviously, you know, that. and then obviously some nights Granite's going to get the call. Then there's going to be some nights where they might want to get Bucks in a night off. And instead of having to move yep. Kepler to center field, now they can, you know, put Zach Granite, who's going to be a little more comfortable playing center field out there, so no, I, I there there are scenarios where either of those could, I, you know, items could definitely happen. I think a lot of it really like like I hate to, I hate to always go back and say a lot of it's going to depend on the next thirty to sixty days, but in this case, I really think the next thirty days are really going to tell a lot because when we get to you know today's you know as we're as we're uh, taping the show, it's June seventh. As we get to July seventh, we're going to know a lot more about where this club stands, where they are in the standings in terms of, you know, trying to really compete for a division title, if that's still realistic, or, you know, competing for a wild card, you know, spot. I think we're going to know a lot more 30 days from now, and I think that's going to obviously also, and also what the, and also what we don't know, what the Twins, what Falvey and, you know, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine will get for offers in the next 30 days. You know, they, um, those offers, whatever they get, they're not going to, you know, be public with them, not until they have decided this is the deal we'd want to make. You know, if they get offers for right. Grossman and they get offers for Rosario, 
they're not going to tell anybody in the in the media, beat writers, anybody. They're not going to disclose that information unless somebody gets a hold of it, you know, under the radar. They're not going to disclose any of that information because obviously then it, it's kind of like you and I playing cards, and you know, one of us slaps down our hand and goes, "Oh, whoops! I hope you didn't see that." Well, you know, it's that's it, not you know, it's not the way it works. So I think we're really going to have to watch the next thirty days. I think that's really really going to you know really going to give us a, a strong idea on what starts to happen from from that standpoint. But, again, those are our stars of the week. So with that, we're going to wrap up the Down on the Farm segment, and that means we'll take a real quick short break, but we'll be right back here in just a moment as we sit down, Daryl and I, with Jeremy Nygaard. You know him from Twins Daily. You also know him from the Minnesota Twins Prospect Handbook. We're going to sit down with Jeremy, and we are going to talk 2017 MLB Draft. So, Get back with us. We'll be right back here after the break, and we'll talk MLB Draft with Jeremy Nygaard here on Talking Twins. This is Shoes from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to Talking Twins here on the 4D Podcast Network. This week here on Talking Twins, and we're going to do something special this week. Um, instead of just standard coverage, we, we may get a little of that at the end of the segment, but uh, this week we actually have a special guest with us. That is Jeremy Nygaard. You guys may know him from, obviously, Twins Daily, the uh, Minnesota Twins Prospect Handbook, and also a guy that does a lot of very good Minnesota Twins, you know, draft coverage and and, and minor league, you know, overall prospect scouting as well. So we're going to talk with Jeremy tonight. He's been kind enough to join us on Talking Twins, and we're going to talk a little 2017 MLB draft with Jeremy. So with that, I want to welcome in Jeremy. And, uh, Jeremy, it's Bradley Swanson, Daryl Yates here on Talking Twins, and we appreciate you taking the time to, to join us this evening to talk the upcoming MLB draft. Hey, yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I always look forward to uh, talking about the draft with you. So uh, anything you got, fire it away. Well, we will. And with that, you know, the MLB draft is coming up. I mean, it's going to be June 12th of the 14th. And just for fans, it's on. you can actually follow it via MLB Network or also MLB.com. There will be live streaming on the website as well. Uh, and if you get a chance and you're sitting at home or, you know, you've got on the TV, you can – you know, sneak it in at work if you can. MLB Network will be covering it as well. Um, so with that, let's get, you know, right into it. And, I mean, there's, you know, looking at some of the recent reports, Jeremy, you know, you, you've you've got kind of things coming out now that, you know, Hunter Green, you know, doesn't either, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing reports that it's not either that he doesn't want to come here or that it's that he wants to somehow rig this thing to San Diego, i.e. kind of what you've seen in the NFL draft in previous years with, certain players try to, you know, kind of position themselves to get to go where they want to go. And there's also been reports that the Twins are kind of shying away from Hunter Green. Now, they've obviously been linked to three guys, and that's obviously the guy I just mentioned, Hunter Green, Kyle Wright, the you know, the very stellar pitcher from Vanderbilt, and then of course Brendan McKay, the the guy that's that, you know, that's pitched very well and also has 25 homers this year in college. I mean, besides that, First, besides that group of three, that's obviously everybody knows who those three are. Are there any anybody else, are there any other players that you know of or that you've heard of that you know that chatter's been out there that the the Twins are considering, or are we looking at realistically first of all that it's going to be one of these three they're going to select? You know, I, I think the ebbs and flows of the of the draft season. You know, depending on the day, it's going to be something different. Uh, I think. Hunter Green's thing is, is less about where he wants to go uh, and how he's going to play the draft, but more about how he's only thrown 28 innings this year. 
okay. you know, no, no prospects ever gone this high throwing so little. No right-handed pitchers ever gone first of the prep guy ever. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Twins, you know, they were sitting in a position where they didn't have to, to make history with a with a first-year regime. I think he would probably be considered a little bit more. I just don't think they're comfortable doing that uh, at this point. I don't know. I mean, they they'll watch McKay and they'll they'll do their their, their stuff on McKay, but I don't even know. Uh, you know, unless price tags come out, uh, I don't see that even being really a realistic option anymore. Uh, and then, and then right. But I think the wild cards, you know, become a, a price tag thing. And if they can manipulate the draft pool in a way that they like, and it's going to be harder to do this year, that's when Royce Lewis and Mackenzie Gore come into play. Now I know that Gore is represented by Boris. Uh, I feel like I saw that, that Lewis was too. Uh, but when you get, when you get those, when you get, past the price tag of, of, of being very high, those, that's when those guys come into play. So, um, you know, I think Wright and Green and, and potentially McKay would all be kind of similar price tag-wise, uh, but if those high school guys could come in cheaper, that's when, that's when they would be considered. So I think it's probably five. Uh, Paven Smith is, is mentioned frequently as, as the most advanced hitter. And, and the one thing I got from him, you know, about him, I, you know, when I asked was that he struggled with, he had some holes in his swing against left-handed pitchers. So I don't think the twins are, are really barking up that tree too much. I think he would have been a guy that would, would have been, uh, you know, cut a deal and see what happens. And, and they're not going to go that route with him as far as I know. So it's kind of five. Maybe if you want to include Smith, Shane Baz is another guy that they, they scouted heavily, uh, but unless something, you know, they'd have to make history taking him first, too. So, uh, you know, I think there's still names that they're, they're floating around. Uh, this week will really be the big week when, when they start getting bonus demands and can kind of start looking at their pool and how to play it uh, and then start crossing guys off. And I'm guessing they probably start doing that this week at Target Field. And to, to follow up on that, yes, you are correct. Royce uh, is also uh, represented by Scott Boris as well, so that's – you you are correct in that statement, and then of course I that means I have to ask you the sixty four thousand dollar question: um, Who do you think the Twins select? And and then to follow that up with at least not just to put you on that just a dead spot because everybody hates being in that spot. But I'll even I'll even let you answer why do you think the Twins select the person you think they take? Well, I just posted um, a few minutes ago at Twins Daily the, the draft preview on Kyle Wright, um, and I, I think if you read that you would you would see that that's where I'm leaning uh, pretty heavily Uh, just because he's a, he's a combination of what the upside you can get in green, although it's not quite the upside with the safety that you can get in McKay, though it's not really the exact same safety uh, just that he's more in the middle ground. And I think teams are going to look at him and, and and think, you know, the the twins specifically that they can do, um, they could do a lot worse than, than Kyle Wright, um, but he could still progress. There's still some projection there, um, and, and that he could be someone that they add to the stable. Um, that that's where I'm gonna guess it goes at this point. You know, I could be wrong, but um, you know, who knows? I mean, we all can't now. Be. If it if it is Kyle Wright, if it is Kyle Wright, there, Jeremy, how soon do you think he'll make it to the majors? If you look at some of the First overall selections uh, for pitchers. Uh, I mean, 
You got Strasburg and Price. They made it up within a year. Garrett Cole took about two and a half years. So you got Kyle Wright here, and you got a couple top prospects in Romero and uh, Stephen Gonzalez that should be up probably uh, next year, if not uh, the latter part of this year. Do you expect him to be up within a year's time? You know, with Tyler J getting drafted, he was going to be up right away. Um, You always hear about the guys that are going to make this quick jump to – to the big leagues and it just never seems to happen. So I, I would be a little cautious on that. Hold on. Uh, I'd be cautious on that um, just because it doesn't always happen that way. And, and Strasburg, you know, I, I actually mentioned Strasburg and price in the piece that I wrote, but I don't, I don't see huge similarities between the abilities just because right to not that generational prospect. Uh, I'd guess he would start the year at, 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 you know, Fort Myers. Uh, he'll have probably a hundred and, and depending on how far Vanderbilt goes, I think he's at 106 innings. So he's at 106 innings or so. Um, he could get up to 120 depending on how far they go. And then how much you pitch him. Cause he was a, a reliever as a freshman and not a reliever as a, you know, he started as a sophomore, pitched over 100 innings, pitched in, uh, uh, for the national team. So maybe he's limited this year. And then if he does well and, and they, they feel good about it, they throw him in Chattanooga to start 2018. And then it's really, how, how does he do? You know, he could bring him up depending on how, uh, you know, if they're in a, in a race, potentially they add him like, like the raised at price. But if, if next year's a struggle, what's the point of adding him to the 40 man um, and starting the service clock when you can keep him down and bring him next year. But again, that depends on Romero and Gonsalves and and the other guys that they have. If there's a need, uh, and there'd be less of a need if those two guys go up and perform well. So, you know, I, I'd be cautious to say that he'll make his debut with, within a year. I'd be cautious to say he make his debut within you know next you know next season too. Uh, I, I would I would say you know maybe maybe the early part of 2019 would be realistic. Uh, but if he continues to progress like he has this this year, you never know. So, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the guy that says, "Yep, he's gonna make it up." Because we saw Tyler J. Safe pick. He could help the bullpen. It's been a couple of years. He has helped the bullpen. We saw Alex Wimmer, safe pick. He could be the first guy to make it. Took him a long time to make it. So, I, I don't see it happening next year, but. I hope they draft him. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's the greatest prospect pitch, pitching prospect ever. <laughs> well, I agree with that. Um, oh. So the CBA after the CBA, the Twins, you know, the, the the money that they get to spend is a little bit less than what, or the gap between the first and the second's less, and the gap between the first and the fifth even even less. How, how does that? How does the draft pool? I believe the Twins have just over $14 million to spend on their top 10, 11 picks. How, how, how does that change the, the game when they're looking at who they draft? Uh, you know, Houston, a few years back, they were able to draft, because they had so much money, they were basically, basically right. able to get Bregman, Tucker, first round. Yeah, they got Bregman, Tucker, and Cameron, which were considered right. all top five picks at the time. It, they had two and five, and and they turned it into basically three, four, and five. And and you can do that, 
um, under the rules that they had. And, uh, you know, MLB, I think, got tired of it, uh, and they changed them. And it's going to be harder for teams to do that, especially when I think there's four teams that have three picks in the top 40. So there's not going to be, you know, the Twins have a little bit of advantage. They could, they could play with it, but the, the threat that, that teams could make to guys was, you know, if you if we don't take you and you drop here, you could lose a, a million and a half or two million or two and a half million, depending on where they were drafted. And so players would take less to guarantee that they don't tumble because you go another pick and you lose even more money. And so MLB just made it more fair. It sucked that it happened the year that the, the Twins, you know, would have the greatest advantage, especially having, you know, 35, 37 in addition to one. Uh, and, and they could still play it. They just you're not going to be able to get two top five talents um, because they don't have the money to do that. And, and I think agents are starting to figure out how how teams are doing this. And and unless it works out really well for them, I, I think a lot of them are just willing to roll the dice and hope that they don't tumble. Um, and the draft is really designed now to 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 have the best players taken first and and just kind of play it like that so yeah they, they have more money and i wrote a piece about it it went out the twin daily newsletter and and you know cutting the deal and then saving money and 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 it's a, it's i'm sure it's on the table even even right now when they're in, in their draft room talking it's just i would say it's it's not realistic to to expect them to be able to, to pull off a major a major coup well and jeremy okay. i remember reading that piece and that was actually one of the you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of, you know, and Daryl and I have talked about this before, and, and Daryl will get into more of the, the minor leagues, you know, kind of the, the scouting guys, where I like to get into more of the, the business and kind of the, you know, I mean, I love the game too from a, you know, from a game standpoint, but I like to get into that business kind of analyzing the side of the business part of the game. And so when I read that, I was one of the, I, I will say flat out, not just because you're on the show, but it was one of the greater pieces I liked from the Twins Daily Newsletter so far this year just because it, it was analyzing that kind of business side of it. And there is that kind of risk reward kind of gamble that agents have to play with their with their clients because they're obviously the, you know they're trying to tell them well you know do you want to take this tumble do you not and so where I look at that or kind of it's a it's a two part question I want to ask it to you um, talking about that aspect so because of the you know the way that it's changed in the draft in terms of you know the money and the fact that it's not that that gap anymore. First of all, do you see any signability concerns with any of the top prospects, whether it's for the Twins or whether it's not? I mean, you look at these top five guys. Do you see signability issues with any of these guys, you know, Minnesota or not Minnesota, just with looking at who these top five probably are? Do you see any issues where that could be a concern? Uh, you know, I, I don't. And we, we're not hearing the stuff that we heard last year about guys that wanted a huge amount of money. I mean, there was like four or five high schoolers that wanted $4 million last right, year. Right, And And maybe maybe we're not hearing it because the Twins aren't drafted in, in a place that would be affected by the $4 million asking price. But I think, like, there was Joey Wendt, Matt Manning. I mean, there was a handful of high schoolers um, that the Twins could have drafted when they drafted, but they all wanted more money. They all ended up getting drafted, and they all ended up signing. So... You know, I think that Boris will, will drive a hard bargain, and, and but I think ultimately all those guys sign. And, and you know, the only one that that could could maybe do something is if Green, who's been the top prospect everywhere, 
uh, you know, all the, the publications have him number one. If he drops the, the three or, or even, you know, depending on what his bonus is, if he wants to be the highest paid guy. And, you know, I, I don't know. He seems like a, a great guy, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a chip on his shoulder that he wanted to be the first high school pit righty pick number one. Sure. And if he's not, I think he wants to be paid like he is, like he is number one. Number one. Gotcha. And, and I don't, I, you know, he'll sign. I, I think he'll, you know, if he doesn't go one, he probably goes two. Um, and he'll, he'll sign, but I bet you he tells Cincinnati he wants to make more money than whatever the twins sign their guy. Right. Right. And Cincinnati has the money to do it. So I, I don't see, you know, Aiken, Aiken was one of those weird things where he didn't sign as a top five pick because of an elbow thing. Uh, but typically your top five picks are going to sign because there's that much money on the table and it's hard to, it's hard to walk away. I mean, for me, you tell me you're a late round pick and you're going to walk around from seven figures. I'd say how you want to walk around away from seven figures. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, they're, they're the best at, and you know, the best high school players in the, in the world. And, and they don't get there by not being confident. So for them, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, 4 million, make it five. You know, what's the difference? But I don't see it signability being, a thing at all with the twins okay. um, because it's the first pick to have the most money and they, and they can, they can do what they need to do with it. And, and the follow-up I will mention in just a moment, but we just get, we just to get some breaking news that I want to let our, our fans know they'll listen to later tonight that the twins actually claimed to Chris Heston, a right-hander off of waivers from the LA Dodgers. Uh, the twins just placed Hector Santiago on the DL with a left shoulder strain. <laughs> Which amazing, really? After that beautiful performance in in Seattle last evening, I, I'm surprised Hector was injured. I, I I don't know why. You know, I mean, and they also, by the way, released uh, Nick Tepish. So just a little little shot in there in between our questions that that just to let folks know that you know Hector Santiago will go on at least the ten or the seven day or oh, ten day. We'll see how that that plays out. But yep, just so just some news there. And so as we jump back into the second part of that question, I wanted to ask you then, um, it's not really so much of a signability piece to, to follow up with it, but who are some of the guys that you think they look at at 35 and 37? 35 and 37? Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, the, the Ramos kid from Puerto Rico. He okay. was a name that – that um, I had heard the twins had liked, and he had was connected. I think in the in the um, in the ESPN mock draft, maybe Baseball America. Uh, but I, I honestly think if they go if they go college pitcher one, knowing that there's not a ton of prep arms, that they probably come back with prep arms at, at 35. Um, and there's a I think it's a Heatherly kid from the South. Um, there's some other kids from the South that that I think they like, but. Uh, that's kind of been Falvey's thing. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Sean has a has a thing for high school arms, and and you're not getting those guys in round five through ten, six through ten. Sure. Um, you're getting those guys in in the top of the draft. So it, it could be any of them. You know, they they scout them all. They, they'll they'll see everybody, and 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 they, you know, that was a, the, the thing. It's like thirty five and thirty seven are totally dependent on what happens at one. True, true. But also, what happens on two through, you know, what what happens on one, as far as the bonus pools will work. But what happens two through thirty four, with all the other teams? So you might think, oh great, we'll have our choice of five prep guys 
well, there's a run on prep guys at 20, and the catcher that you didn't see being available is now the guy that's available. So what they're doing right now, to my understanding, is they're stacking the board. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be Felvey involved and, and Sean Johnson involved. Uh, I'd assume that Levine will be around. Um, and then they have Darren, I'm sure Darren, Darren Johnson's there. And then they'll have a bunch of area scouts with their cross checkers or their supervisors is the title they use. And they stack a board, I think one through 150 or one through 200. Maybe it's one through 100. They just stack, they stack a board and that's, that's it. Uh, and then they do, they just, they go by position. So what happens at 35 and 37 is going to be dependent on, on what happens two through 34. And, and I'm guessing they're going to probably see a guy they didn't expect to see there and, and, you know, maybe get him and get a prep guy. And I think we'll see more prep pitchers just based on preference of, of where, where, uh, where the leadership has come from. Okay. But, as far as pe- pegging a single name, you know, I, I, I threw some darts out there on, uh, on our, on the top 10 mock and, uh, we'll see if anything gets close or anything sticks. I got, uh, I'm on a three year streak where I've got <laughs> at least one, right. Um, my first two years, I got two, right. Well, then so, we'll, no, go ahead. Was there a question? I, no, I just, I, just, I just wanted to direct the fans then to make sure that, you know, in speaking of that, make sure you get out to twinsdaily.com. And make sure you check out, you know, you know, the mock draft that Jeremy and the guys are doing out there, and and, and check out what Jeremy's got going on out there. Because if you want to, you know, get in further depth than that, you know, you, you can read, you know, many of Jeremy's, you know, good writings out there, and you know, get further in detail in terms of that. Yeah, and there's a ton of ton of draft previews right now. Um, the other guys have kind of picked up the weight. I, I started uh, took on a new gig as a head head basketball coach, so I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of basketball camps this week and nice. being pretty busy. So we have Tom. If, if, you, if you've seen Tom's stuff on Twins Daily, he's been doing a great job. He's a good addition to the, to the Twins Daily stable. And Nick, obviously, is, is yep. doing his stuff. And Seth is always writing. And, and, and you know, Cody. And, yep. and there's, there's a ton of stuff. Steve's writing some stuff on it, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I go there, you know, when I check it out, and it's like there's three new articles every time I get there. <laughs> And it's all, it's, it's always, it's always good stuff. And there's always good discussion on the message boards. I think that's kind of what separates Twins Daily. Um, and I'm not plugging Twins Daily as anybody but a guy that, you know, writes for him from time to time. But well, you can. there's always good, good banter, you know. And, and, you know, you go to a lot of message boards and it's like you get sucked into that hole where it's like, oh, I, I did it, I read it. <laughs> and then you just want to punch yourself in the head. <laughs> and, and typically, typically there, you know, the, the, the head punching is kept to minimal. And I, that's the moderators that do a great job. And, you know, I don't even, I couldn't even begin to name them because they're a behind the scenes group that, that just does such a great job. And, you know, it, it's impressive for, for a handful of guys to just kind of start it. And, you know, that I became a writer because I was a fan of the website that, that they wrote for. So, you know, for people listening that want to, that want to write, you just, you start writing and, and start asking questions and start trying to, piece some things together and, and that's that's how things happen and you know the drafting for me was it was a hobby i, I like following the draft and you know i s- sent out a few emails and it's like it, you know the, the, the more you learn the, the the more fun it is it's actually kind of the opposite the, the more you learn the the more personal 
stories you get involved in. And, you know, I, okay. I don't even know if I've told the story, but I'm getting kind of off topic. That's okay. You guys have some time. I'll tell oh, a quick you're, one. You're good to go. Um, go for it. You're good to go. Yeah. You're the, Kyle, the Kyle, the Kyle Cody year. Um, yes. Yes. Kid from Chippewa, Chippewa oh, yeah. local, local kid. Because um, now, now and I, you, I get a. Before you jump in, Jeremy, are you, are you for Baldwin Woodville? Yeah. Yeah. So just yep. just to let the fans know, because I, I, you know, we're I mean, we're we're Luck, Wisconsin, so we you know we know the area real well. So just to let the fans know, you're from that same kind of you know you're a little south of us, but you're from that near Chippewa Falls area. Just to just to kind of throw that tidbit in there where you're from, so they know when you when you speak of this. Yeah, just straight down ninety four. So, um, you know, I. I do my do my my deal and find out that they've reached a, a an agreement pending physical. Um, here's the bonus amount and and the physical is typically just this this real quick yep. well not a quick but it's a it's a form <clears throat> excuse me a formality for for right. most players. Uh, but then it takes a while and and it's 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 some gamesmanship at the chess chess match because you don't want your you don't want to tip your hand about how much bonus pool money you have in left because then the agents want to suck it up. Basically, is how this works. Yep. Um, yeah. So <laughs> what what happens is I report I report you know the, the bonus and that it's going to happen. It's all pending physical, um, and I get a I get an email to, to not even like my personal email my my school email like my my work email. Nice. And it's from. Not nice. Not, not oh, nice oh, at all. I get it. It's oh, from oh. Kyle, Cody's, Kyle Cody's agent. Oh, no. Oh, God. He oh. says, hey, we need to talk. Oh, no. And and oh. so I, you know, I call him, and he's like, hey, I, I see I see what you're saying on Twitter. You need to un, you need to unreport that. He really? Says. And I'm like, hey, I can't unreport what, you know, 120,000 people, 20, people have seen <laughs> through retweets and and views on the on Twin Daily, you know. But I'll I'll retract, you know. But it's not going to help me. Well, this is his amateurism. I'm like, well, he shouldn't have agreed to the deal pending physical, you know. Yeah. So exactly. So it, it was all like he didn't tell me why, and he said there was no agreement, no, it, like there's nothing, there's nothing. You were way off it. I'm like, I kind of started to feel bad. Now, Jeremy, do you remember who? And, do you remember who his agent was? Um. The name I don't. It was okay. Frontline. It's okay. the same as Cole Stewart's agent. Oh, okay. And, okay. Uh, okay. So I talked. You know, I talked to the guy. And the guy. He he was perfectly fine about it. He he was he was nice. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't super pissy about it. And um, so at this point, like the the whole pending physical thing was just a formality that you throw on to things. But I didn't know what the real story was. Well, I worked with a girl who grew up not far from his family. And she, like, un, un, you know, it's not like I started digging for information. She, she tells me, hey, did you hear you got drafted? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, and she, a week later, hits me with, uh, yeah, he's not going to, he, he can't find, he's got a shoulder thing. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, his mom told my mom, you know, like, it was through the grapevine. Yeah. But- um, he went to, he failed his physical. So typically what, what you have is, and the Twins have done it a few years prior with another guy, is you have an agreement, and then if the physical doesn't turn out right, you have like a backup agreement yeah, right. so that this doesn't happen because you don't want to lose eligibility. Exactly. And uh, and 
so whatever their backup agreement was, he he wanted more money. Oh. Well, I mean that that's a that's a story in itself. But right, when the right. Twins think they have this extra money, they go out and they find two other they they find two prep guys to sign with this extra money. All that all that has to happen is Kyle Cody needs to put his signature on paper, and and they get two other they get another pitcher and another outfielder, and. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting information from a lot of different places and, and they know exactly what's in the bonus pool and it's one guy left if he signs for X amount. And so I have a, you know, a parent of one of the, of one of the high school guys texting me wondering what's the deal with Cody. Cause he wants to know if his kid's going to be able to sign. Sure. You know, the way he signs is if Cody signs. Right. And it's like, I, I get done, you know, the deadline passes. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't sign. The two high school kids have been in Minnesota, passed their physical, were waiting to celebrate. And it's like, that was the time when I'm like, you know what? It would have just been easier for me to, to read the Jim Callis tweets and see who signed <laughs> and not be involved. Like, I felt bad, not not so much for the Kyle Cody thing, because he turned down a lot of money and he had a lot of people telling him to take the money. Right. I felt bad. I felt bad for the other kids. And... You know, I don't know that neither of them have been great um, college players since then, but it's like you feel bad that, and that's a part of things you don't, you know, I never even thought about that. Like how many people are affected by one 19, 20 year old decision to, to sign or not sign and, and how much, you know, that sucks for, for players. And you know, then the next year, I think the twins did a little bit differently and, and, they 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 pulled their money um, in the first ten rounds, then to find the guy that would sign for more money in round eleven. That was Benninghoff, who then went under the knife immediately. But but just how much how much of a chess match this is? Only it's not black against white. It's it's there's like all these different pieces on the board, and you're just trying to there's match multiple things colors up. in this one. And and it is, and it's it's like so. You know, I can say at thirty five and thirty seven, I think they're going to do this, but it's not a straight line from one to thirty five. It's it's a it's a road with with you know low shoulders and detours and people shooting things at you, and and it's exhaust. I mean, it's exhausting for me. And I, I said that to a scout. I'm like, this has got to be an exhausting couple of days, and and he says, no, this is an exhausting couple of weeks. But you know, the, the because the... it's like. The agents representing these guys have to know that too, though. It, it can't just be like they're like they can't put blinders on and pretend like you know. Well, they have no clue that that this kind of stuff's going to happen. I mean, if if you're representing these guys and you're supposed to be a world class, you know, agent, a top notch, top flight agent for for you know for baseball play. I mean, I, I guess this this could really pertain to any draft. It could pertain to basketball, football, whatever. I mean, if these guys are supposed to be top flight agents representing the very upper crest of the echelon, they should they should have some kind of you know mindset that yeah this is this is going to happen. The guy that you're representing right. is going to get put under not just a microscope. I mean, like a nuclear powered you know you know top line microscope that's going to look at every single tiny thing and it's going to find everybody that he knows and everybody that can. And especially in this day and age, this isn't, you know, this isn't 1984 when, you know, there might have been a few reporters hanging around at the most, and, you know, that was it. This is 2007, you know, even two years ago, it was 2015. I mean, 
this is the era of, I mean, information, it doesn't just move freely. It moves instantly. It, it literally right. moves instantly. So as an agent, you can't right. sit back and go, well, I didn't know that could happen. I mean, really? Right. Are, are you like an ostrich at the beach with your head in the sand? I mean, you have to understand, if you're representing your client and you're, you know, you're taking, you know, 5 to 10% of what he's going to get throughout this process, you've got to understand and know that this is what's going to happen. Everybody's, you know, and especially you look at now, 2017, it's even more, I mean, I, I, I'm an IT guy on, on my other side of the career other than doing this, so it's kind of like Moore's Law. Everything really, you know, it, it's like every 18 months, everything, you know, kind of moves faster and faster. I mean, you look at four years ago, okay, what could people do? Now what can they do now? Everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got right. you know, uh, an access to information, you know, right now. I mean, literally right now. And so it's just it, it surprises me that some of these agents have the mindset of like, Oh, well, this guy phoned out about, you know, in, in the case of you with that whole segment, you know, that, oh, this guy phoned out about this. Well, this is not, you know, this is not 30 years ago where you actually had to pick up a, a hardline telephone and, you know, you know, call people to pass information. This is now where information right. passes, you know, somebody types 130 characters on a, on a Twitter account and, bam, it, it's out there. So it surprises me when agents, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and that and that's what's crazy because the 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 powers kind of shifted. Where if it would have been twenty years ago and that would have got out, it would have came out from a from one of the reporters from the team, correct? Typically, who would have been employed by a, uh, the, the newspaper that that was allowed access by the club, correct? And it's like for this guy for this guy to find me. He had to to contact me on an email, which I don't know how he found. Yeah, how did he get? You know? How did he get that? Do you know? And then it's like, well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a public school, so it's an email address. But it's like retract that, and it's like, <laughs> dude, I'm a, I'm just a person that tweets things. Like I could be wrong or I could be right, but I, I you have no power over me to do anything. What are you going to keep information from me? Fine, I never got information from you in the first place. Right, exactly. So. so it, but but that's the thing too, and I, and they've changed the rule obviously now. What high school can have representatives? Because I think this is the last year where they couldn't. Correct, it is. So these are high school parents basically repping the, their kids without knowing, you know, without having that giant network of people that they can talk to. And, and so that that makes it. This is going to make it easier on high school kids because they're going to have a little bit better idea. I mean, this was the pay, parents listening to the team, and the team making really no investment in the kids until you sign the contract, right? Correct. So it was just, it, it was a, it was a bad, it just kind of left a bad feeling. And it's like, I know the twins do things the, the right way. Um, the play, one of the players I know was willing to come down and I never asked for what their demand was, but he said we were willing to meet them in the middle if they were willing to exceed the bonus pool, but not go into the penalty, you know, just have to pay tax. Right, right. He's like, we, we, we were willing to come down $50,000 that was going to save that maximum amount of dollars, um, and they weren't willing to. So it, it was just, it was, a, it was a bad deal. And it, you know, for, for someone that just kind of was on, on the, the, the periphery of things, it, it just made things different. And so, I mean, this year with other stuff going, going on, I mean, I, I'm way more busy. So I don't know that I'll ever get that into things again because that, that just got to be almost where I felt like, Something bad is going to happen here, and and the uh, the little bit of money that that I get for writing, that's <laughs> nah, not worth it. So, so did, 
Did it change? Did it change your your mind? Just you know, I know Daryl's got a couple questions real quick to ask, but before we get into that, did it change your mindset at all in terms of covering it? Did it kind of change how you, you know, after dealing with with it getting so close to you know, you know, to you? Did it change how you? I, I don't I don't want to say how you want to cover it. Maybe that I don't know if want is the right word, but did it change in how you kind of interact with that coverage since then? Did that did that you know did that play? In yeah. That well, I mean, I, I guess. There's two sides to everything, you know. There's there's the team side, and then there's the player side. Um, and at that point, I could I could play both sides, you know. I could talk to people because I mean, you if you subscribe to the right thing, you have access to everybody, you right. know. Correct. Um, and and you have high school coaches that have no problem saying, uh, yeah, I won't tell you that, but she called dad, and then <laughs> firing the phone number. It's like, hey, you know, here's me and. And they want positive pub for their kids, and I get it. Correct. Um, but that side of things, because that's, that's the emotional side. I mean, there's the business side, and then there's the emotional side. Yep. And I've really tried to stay away from that emotional side. And, and I, I, can, I can get enough from, from the team side, um, you know, through things. And, and, and the, the, the one thing about this year, which is, I mean, all, it all kind of came together um, before when I would ask questions to people, when you're drafting 15th or 16th or 29th or even 4th or 5th, me saying who's the best player in the draft, totally hypothetical question. As in, if you were drafting first, who would you take? Boom, you can answer that because we're not drafting first. You know what I mean? Now that they're drafting first, you ask that question, and that's not hypothetical anymore. This is a real question. So just the information being shared is 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 less because – the, these questions aren't in the hypothetical anymore. So the actual, they're in the, right. this is the real deal. And, and, you know, and, and it's like, they're not committing anything. A lot of the stuff I just keep off the record anyway, but it, it, it's way different from their perspective. And then the other thing too, is you have first year area scouts. Um, so the, the guy that was in Nashville before stationed out of Nashville that would have scouted McKay and scouted Kyle Wright has moved back towards his, where he grew up in the Northeast. Well, now you have a brand new area scout to the organization covering those guys, which I can typically talk to area scouts, but it's your first year. You have two guys in, in the mix for the number one pick. Yep. The last thing you want to do is start talking to somebody that's going to be writing this shit down, you know? So <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and and I, talk, I talked to the old scout. I said, hey, he's not talking to me. He goes, I wouldn't either. That's and I'm fair. like, that, that's fair. That's fair. That's, yep. that's, that's fair. Yep. So, I it, mean, it, it changes, and, and obviously with, you know, the time that I have in my life at, at, at the given time could, could affect how I do things. But I got, got a lot of stuff going on. So, I mean, I, I'm into it, and I'll, I'll send my emails, and I'll send my texts, and I'll write my stuff. And But the emotional side of it, I've just tried to, I've tried to say, you know what, that was, I mean, that was hard for them. It was wasn't easy on me. It's like I became friends with these people, and right. And so I, 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 ha- I handle it differently. And whoever gets drafted first, and you know, I say that, but it's like I still try to talk to the players too if they'll talk to me. Um, whoever gets first, it's going to be great, and I, you know, I hope he's great, and I hope it's great for the team. But I, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over how it's all going to go. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to dig too hard on things that I don't need to know, even though I like to report them. That's a cool take. Hey, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Hey, Jeremy, I got two more questions before we get too long into it. I'm going to let Brad close it out. 
So, you know, I, I love doing the mock drafts, and I love the minor leagues just like you do, buddy. Uh, and I've gone over your mock draft a handful of times, and I agree with it. I, I see you got, you got seven out of your 11 picks for pitchers. Love it. I love the Kyle Wright's pick, the pick at you know, for the first overall with Kyle Wright, and then two prep. Any chance, uh, for the folks that are not familiar, that Sam Carlson out of Burnsville, Minnesota, is taken, well, is he the first Minnesota-born pitcher uh, taken in the first round, or is he going to be available for the Twins out of the 35th or 37th pick? Oh, nice. If I had to put money on it, I'd guess he'd be gone. Yep. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. He does. And he he's someone that, that you know, typically in a, in a typical year, um, I'd go, I'd go crazy over that guy trying to get as much information out. There's so Doogie's got so much information on that kid that I haven't even really, yeah. I mean, I haven't even begun to, to do the research. Does Doogie, like, Doogie's great. Does Doogie live, but Jeremy, does Doogie live with him? I mean, cause seriously, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he could, he's got um, that gear that gets up to 97. He's got the hard right. slider, a great change up. It sounds like, I mean, he seems like he's got the high ceiling like the couple of prep pitchers I like that you have at 35 and 37, the same type of, uh, you know, pitchability and, you know, heat, it, it kind of reminds me of Sam Carlson, but like you said, I don't think right. he's going to be around. Yeah, I don't. But it, if the Twins know, if the Twins can get a can get a, a final price or, or, or you know, even a, almost make an agreement with who they're going to take first, and know they've saved X amount of dollars and, and plus what they have at 35, it'd be pretty easy to call his rep and say, hey, here's what we have for you. What do you think? And I don't know if that's going to happen. I think the Reds, Doogie stuff, I think the Reds have have been on him a lot. Um, and, and the Reds can, can do basically the same thing. So, I, I you know if I had to guess I'd say he doesn't he doesn't go but those the high school guys are the most volatile group just because their price tags can be so high or so low you know Ian Anderson goes what do you go third overall last year and I think I mocked him to the Braves at 41 because I knew the Braves liked him but he ends up going third because he was willing to accept X amount of dollars which was great for what they wanted to do later take one of the other high school guys that slides. Um, so I mean, Carlson could could slide. I just, if I had to guess, I'd say he wouldn't because there's a lot of teams in the late teens and early twenties that I think could get a really good prospect by taking him. Um, I was gonna, of, you know, taking a shot with someone else. I was gonna say, I know, I know, Detroit's been rumored at 18 that they'd be willing to jump in the in the Sam Carlson sweepstakes too. So they they, they and there's already been a couple of reports out of Detroit that they've they've talked about that they'd like him at at that you know at that late 18 spot you know. Right before twenty, so yeah, I'd right. I'd be with with his with his pedigree with where you know we see him climbing up draft boards. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I'd if the Twins could get him at at thirty five, I'd be probably jumping up and down out of my out of my office. I'd be so excited, but I just I realistically don't know if I see that he's he's just going to make it that far. I just really don't, right? You know, with with his stuff. I mean, it, it, I'd love it, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be so much just the money issue. I just think it's going to be the fact that there's going to be clubs in front of, you know, 
the Twins before getting to 35. Right. That Now, Daryl, I know you got a follow-up, though. You want to jump yep, in with I just on had that. one other question. The last one, Jeremy, I'm going to let uh, Brad close it out with you. But uh, Keith Law, who, who came out today, and he was saying, he was talking about how the draft is a weaker draft. It's top-heavy, yes, so the Twins are looking good there. But uh, in the second and third rounds, uh, there's less talent that might be available. Uh, and then he was also saying that there's a – there's not a standout lead prospect like a Harper or Garrett Cole. Now, we're talking about uh, guys like Hunter Green, uh, Kyle Wright, who I think all three of us agree that the Twins will probably select. So if we don't have a, if, if Garrett Cole is the prospect that is a standout, according to Keith Law, what do you think about Kyle Wright? Who, 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 who would, if, you had a, if you had to tell Twins fans that don't follow the minor leagues that we do, who would you say that he reminds you of? Kyle Wright. But a lot of a lot of people get all bent out of shape on these comps, and the reality is everybody wants the comp that's a an all star. You know, Buxton was 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 compared to to McCutcheon, and the the reality is you're not you're not going to get you're not going to get guys that turn into all these guys aren't going to turn into all stars, um, and so the the one the one comp that I saw on right that I thought was was fair was I think it was John Lackey you know a, a guy that, that has been consistent for a number of years was really a kind of a front end guy you know for a while um, but isn't your prototypical all-star and that's not an exciting it's not an exciting um, comp it's not I mean you could say well it's Verlander because that's what people want to hear um, but he doesn't throw as fast as Verlander. And, and Verlander's comp when he was in college at Old Dominion wasn't, you know, his realistic comp wasn't going to be this one of the top, you know, 50 pitchers of all time. So I, I think it's fair to make a, a comp on him that, you know, is a, a strong number two, three type guy. Um, could he turn into an ace? He certainly could. Uh, but I think that that's probably a, a fair comparison. Um, I, I don't like the Strasburg comps, and, and I've and I've heard you know people talk about that, and I and I kind of alluded to that um, in the, in a piece that I wrote, just because the still pics of him with his with the the uh, the elbow above his shoulder, the inverted W I think is what they call it, with his front foot down. I mean, scout told me he said, man, there are more simil- similarities to that delivery than I thought, uh, but he's still a loose, projectable kid, and and he could be a number one. Uh, but that's an argument that people want to have on Twitter too. What's a, what's an ace? Urban Santana, you know. Uh, so so I think that he's a if if you want to if you want to peg him somewhere, it's a, a number two, maybe number three guy on a good staff, and and he'll strike guys out and he'll throw a bunch of pitches. He's got good stuff and throws it hard, and he he's still a kid that's really kind of developing into his body. So it, it's hard to to, to say specifically one guy but i think you know if he if he meets his potential he's a he's a he's a front-end guy and, and no matter who you want to draw the parallels to that's a thing that this this team has really lacked um especially as a right in a right-handed arm uh, for quite some time so lackey was a name that i saw and i'm like yeah i can get behind that even though i don't think it's perfect uh, most comps aren't but he, he would be that, that would be what i would say now as far as Having that talent, generational type talent uh, prospects, Gr- Green's that guy, you know. But he's a high schooler, 
and the most volatile, like I said, pitching, um, Bryce Harper, generational prospect. Um, I, I just, it's, it, it would be really hard to take a, an 18 year old that throws really, really hard, doesn't have great breaking stuff, but through 28 miles an hour, 28 miles an hour, 28 innings in the year and <laughs> say, yep, he's the guy. Let's hitch our wagon to that horse. It, it would be, it would be hard to do that. And I, you know, I like Hunter Green as anybody, as much as anybody and kind of drove the hype train there for a while. Um, and bought a bunch of the Sports Illustrated with him on the cover just in case. But it, he he's he's the once in a forever talent. Uh, but but if the Twins don't go that direction, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame him for that. Well, as we okay. clo- as we close it out, I, I first of all want to say, and on behalf of Daryl myself, thank you to to you, Jeremy. That was a it was a very you know a great segment and you know, a lot of good stuff. You know, I I, I love to give it a couple of the stories in between there. I know a lot of our, our listeners will like it as well, so I just want to say thank you right off the top. But I do have one final question that we'll close it out with. That 28 miles an hour might have been my flip from second to first, by the way. So I'll just I, I was hoping you would I was hoping you wouldn't sell <laughs> nice. me out on that, but you know. So, but as I, as we close it out, you know, we're, we're talking as we come from the draft to kind of more of our our minor league system and kind of looking at kind of the upper echelon of the system. Right now, it looks like, and, and this is a this is a question that came not only from from you know Daryl writing the questions, but also we we've had a couple of fans that have kind of also uh, kind of issued this question as well. So I'd like to have you kind of see what your take is on it. The top two pitchers right now in this organization, in terms of starting talent, are, are definitely right now Steven Gonzalez and Fernando Romero. I don't think there's really any any argument to that right now in terms of just you know starting, just overall quality talent from what we have in the minor leagues right now, right as of today. Now that obviously by the end of the year, that could that could heck in a month that could change with the draft and everything else. But right now with what we've got in the organization, it looks like, you know, these guys are the are the, the upper echelon of the crust of that talent. While it'd be nice if, if both of them got to pitch in for the twins this season, that may not be realistic. I mean that that, you know, will Gonsalves get here? Probably a little more realistic. Will they both get here? I, I don't know. Um, but what I want to ask to you is, when is a realistic ETA that you would see both Gonsalves and Romero together on the staff in a rotation at a major league level? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I, I, if you asked me in January, I said Gonsalves makes his debut in 2017, no doubt about it. Um, the shoulder thing set him back, you know, six, seven weeks. So I think that's maybe a borderline thing. If they're in contention and they need some help, I, I could see him totally being an arm that could come up in September. Um, Romero's a little interesting because he had the, the elbow deal and then didn't really throw a whole lot. So he's going to get to a point where you either need to transition to the bullpen or you're going to need to shut him down or you're going to need to skip a bunch of starts because you're not going to make this huge, this huge jump. Um, so, you know, that that's come up on Twitter before. I, I would have said, yeah, let's bring him up and let him pitch out of the bullpen. Okay. And then, if you know, send him down later and let him start again. Do you want to do that with a guy's elbow? I don't know how, how that's viewed um, in the organization. So, my you know, my guess, if you want to know when they're both going to be up and in the rotation, um, I would say late next summer uh, would maybe be the first – the first time, typically, I guess things that I'm, I'm always super early. So, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say next August, 
they'll both be in the rotation. Okay. Um, and I hope I'm way late because I hope that they're in rotation with Barrios and, and Santana and, you know, whether Gibson gets it right or Hughes gets it right or whoever. Right. Mejia is a stud. Um, but I, you know, I hope that they're in the rotation because they just push themselves into that, that role and not because so many guys have failed. And that's the thing. If you get five good starters or even three good starters and there's only two spots really open, that can change the timeline on a lot of guys. Um, but, but I'm going to say next, next August, uh, in the rotation together, but I think Gonzalez is up first. I still think he'll make his debut this year. Um, and Romero in the, in the rotation, I think that he could be up earlier if they want to go the bullpen route, you know, especially if they, if they can make a play, if they're making a push this summer and they need help in the bullpen, you know, which they do. Um, they do, yes. I'd love to see him in that role because he, he could be electric in, in that type of role. And, and, you know, does that change how he develops with his, you know, does it stress his elbow if he's pitching certain times and how careful do they want to be with him? Those are all questions that people get paid a lot of money to answer. But <laughs> um, I, I, I hope I hope that Romero just keeps it going because that's that's the type of guy that the Twins haven't had. And Gatelvis is going to be your solid mid rotation. Take it every five days. Strike out, you know, about a guy in inning. Walk a few guys more than you want to. Um, but he'll be he'll be a durable. He'll be a guy that'll throw throw 200 innings. Um, and wouldn't it be nice if he turned into like a Bumgarner type guy? I just don't oh. think he has the velocity, but no, he can hit a little bit if he needs to, if he needs to. That, that'd so be nice it, indeed. Say that one more time. I said that'd be very nice indeed if he turned into uh, three quarters of a Bumgarner guy. I mean, yeah, well, and I think Bumgarner's great, but Gonzalez is one of the nicest guys. He's just one of the nicest guys that I've that I met in baseball too. So you pull you pull for guys like that anyway. Well, I mean, if you're talking about if you're talking about Gonsalves, I mean, and Daryl will Daryl will speak to this because he knows how how extremely biased I am towards Stephen because we met Stephen when he first came to Cedar Rapids. Um, I mean, I know Stephen's family. Uh, you know, Stephen's dad follows us. His sister, his wife. I mean, you know, Stephen's mom. You know, Joaquin's wife. I mean, so I mean, if, if you're going to ask me about Gonsalves, I mean. I mean, I, I have to upfront state my bias. Believe me, to, Brad and yeah. I had a big argument yeah. over who was the top prospect for talking twins. When I went Romero, <laughs> I thought Brad was not going to be my best friend anymore. Yeah, so, there, yeah, I, I, that's, yeah, yeah, that, that you never want. And to I do. love Steven, Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I, I, I Romero. I mean, Jeremy, I've already, right. I've already had Joaquin, who's Steven's dad, tell me when when Steven gets up here, they're already talking about that he's going to have like seventy five people coming from San Diego to watch his first start at Target Field or, you know, when it finally is up here. And I already had Joaquin telling me that I have to go out with him in Minneapolis the night before so he and I can sit down and have a personal kind of chat about, you know, Stevens, you know, whole, you know, kind of whole coming to this point. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, right. I, I'm very, very biased in Gonzalez. I think the kid's got... I think he's got a well, lot. He's of, got the, he's got the stuff. He's got the makeup, so it'll be good. I think it's more than... If you, the, if you want to hear it, no, go ahead. Go, uh, let me definitely. tell you one one quick one quick story there. So, uh, um, when Gonzalez was not yet up in Cedar Rapids, yep. we the year before. Yep. Um, we make our annual pilgrimage down to Cedar Rapids, and of course, you go to Cedar Rapids, you have to talk to to Steve Boer, and then he's got to tell you to go to Bushwood, which we do as then, well. You know, yes, we do. <laughs> so, so yeah, you drink at Bushwood. So I'm there the one night, and there's this cute blonde girl, you know, waitressing, and so. Seth had been down there the week before, and Steve's like, you know, you should take pictures with these with these waitresses and send them to Seth. 
he'd be super jealous. If he, you know, oh, he, no. he, did, he didn't get pictures with these girls. Oh, no. So I just, I grabbed the waitress. And I was like, hey, take a picture. And I got to send it to a buddy. So she, you know, obliges. She takes I send it to Seth and post it on Twitter, you know, that type of thing. And then I see uh, the next year when Gonsalves is up there, he, he starts dating this waitress. Yeah. Oh, no, is, so that, first time I is, that, actually... um, is that Haji or? or yeah, Haley. Um... Haley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Haley, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so the, fir- the first time I meet him, he, you know, and I we met after Twin Us one day, and, and he, he just, you know, I shake hands, and, you know, we BS a little bit, and he goes, hey, how come my, what, how come my girlfriend has a picture of you posted on her Instagram? <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh. Easy, easy fella, you know. Well. So, the, I mean. When they came up to Twins Fest now, and you know that, and that that's it. They're just they're a good, they're a cool family. Um, and Gonsalves and, and Garver, um, and Jake Reed, yep. they were all kind yep. of uh, together in would have been Fort Myers. Yep. So getting to know getting to know them and their family at, at Twins Fest is, is is a fun time, and that's kind of become come a come a tradition. Um, so, you know, so I'd love for Those Garver to get up there too. I was going to say, I was going to say, Jeremy, we yeah. actually two years ago we actually took Gonsalves, Reed, ago. and Mitch Garver out. On Friday night, Reed and Garver, yeah, yeah, and, and and Steven as well, and then kind of the worst part about that was is right about that time was when Joaquin and 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 his wife and then Steven's sister Renee started following me, and I had people asking me, right. well, "Who's this Renee chick that's following?" I'm like, "Hey, dude, I don't think you want to get into that because her <laughs> her brother can peg you with about a 95 mile an hour you know bean off the side of your head." And, you know, you're not going to want none of that. But that was the year that yeah. we actually took out Stephen and uh, Jake Reed and Mitch Garver in downtown Minneapolis. And the one thing we found out, I will say on a side note about Jake Reed, is if you play darts with the guy, he throws at the same speed that he's throwing the, the two of the four. <laughs> oh, he was breaking dart tips off left and right, and I was his partner. And I'm like, dude, you got to calm it down a little bit because I don't know how many tips the bar's got, but, you know, you're, you're right. shattering plastic dart tips, you know, left. So no, I, I mean I, I I'm with you. I'm I'm biased to that family. I think they're very good people. I think when he gets up here, he's gonna have a. I mean, like like I I, talk, like I said, I talked to Joaquin, and he said we're gonna have to book half a plane to get everybody from San right, Diego. Sure. Yeah, and, and and you know what? But you love pulling for somebody like that. That the the kids are good. I mean, and I call him. I get to call him a kid because I'm 42 going on 43, and he's in his early 20s. So I I get that luxury right. to call him a kid. But you know what? He's got a good head on his shoulders. Every time he's been bumped up to this this organization, it's you've never had to hear. Put it this way: you've never had to hear, and you know about this. You've never had to hear, you know, Gonsalves got in trouble anywhere. Gonsalves did this, right. you know. He never. It's just put his head down, move up to the next level, you know, bang it out. And I want to move up, and I want to move up, and I want to move up. And the good thing is he's got a family that's behind him. He's got a good support structure, and that's the the coolest thing. Is I like the fact that, of course, you brought up the story with his girlfriend in Cedar Rapids, because yeah, she follows us too, and I get random tweets from her when we'll, you know, tweet something out about Stephen, and we'll get some random tweet from her, and it's you know, it's just neat to see that his family is all, you know, whether it's his girlfriend or his dad or his mom or his sister, that they're all following him, and it's just it's this giant support structure, and you know what, a lot of guys don't have that. They're coming up to the sort sure. you know, they're coming up and they don't have anybody. They don't have, you know, they might be coming from a broken home. They might be coming from a rough situation. They don't have that support structure, which is pretty nice to have that as a kid that Gonsalves has. 
and I think that's just going to be a big thing, you know, as we as we close it out, that that's going to help him, you know, when he gets up here. Because, as you know, when you get up here, man, you know, I remember Burt Blylevin saying this. You know, you start, you know, 30 games a year. You know, 10 games, you're on. Your stuff is electric. They couldn't touch you if they had a bat that was the size of a, you know, of a butterfly net. Then there's 10 nights. Man, you wish you weren't even almost on the mound. You know, you, right. you know. But it's those other ten starts where your stuff is just kind of in the middle, and you got to fight to get through. And I think a guy like that, that's got a support system like that, is going to be able to deal better with those middle ten nights than somebody that doesn't have that that kind of support background. So that's what I. That's why I think Gonzalez just has that chance. But I, as we close it out, because I know you've got you know some family and some things to get to yet here tonight. I, I want to thank you because. You gave us a lot of time, and, and I and I really appreciate it because your time is valuable. I, I know that it is, and I, I really want to appreciate and say thank you for, for giving us that time on behalf of Daryl and myself. Um, we, we really love the chance that we get to talk to you before the draft. You know, maybe we can meet up with you again later this year, you know, before the, the season is over. We'd love to do that. But I just want to say on behalf of Talking Twins, on behalf of all of our fans that and our listeners, that we really appreciate you spending some time with us this night. It was, it was really, really fun getting a chance to – to catch up and talk the 2017 LB draft with you. Yeah, for sure. And, and let's uh, let's plan on doing something after the signing deadline where we can kind of recap the absolutely. Uh, the that, too, that'd be great. I would love it. That that's what everybody wants to know. So let's let's plan on doing that. Um, should be well, I think we sign in mid mid July unless that change. So we should do something late July. Plan plan on doing that and then just block off a half hour and just BS about other things. And yeah, let's to do that pretty well too. Let's look at late July, early August, somewhere right around there, and we're slated to go down to our Cedar Rapids uh, trip this year is going to be the second weekend in August. So we're hoping that you know maybe you know we'll have a couple of draft picks down there that we'll get a chance to. We're going to do some video and some audio interviews down there as well. But we'd love to get you maybe right before we go down there, and then kind of have that for our our fans maybe at the end of July, right before we go down to Cedar Rapids, so we could kind of tile them together that'd be that'd be a lot of fun so uh that sounds great guys okay well with that uh, we're gonna let jeremy nygaard go here but that was jeremy nygaard um remember check him out www.twinsdaily.com definitely get out there and, and check out all of jeremy's stuff uh you can find him on twitter as well and jeremy what's your twitter handle one more time let you put it out there jeremy nygaard just like it's spelled j-e-r-e-m-y-n-y-g-a-a-r-d Beautiful. all underscore but they're all under all four case but that doesn't matter if you're not following Jeremy already, you need to be. Do it tonight. Do it tomorrow. Do it when you listen. Follow Jeremy. Check out twinsdaily.com. And with that, Jeremy, we'll say good night to you, and we'll talk to you then in, in a couple of months, okay? All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Be, be Thanks, well. Jeremy. Well, Twins fans, we hope you enjoyed our, our interview this evening with Jeremy Nygaard, and obviously hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back with you guys in a couple of weeks here on Talking Twins. We'll, we'll cover what went down for the 2017 draft, and we'll – Obviously, get everyone caught up as we get closer to the All-Star break here for 2017. So with that, just remember that Talking Twins is a part of the 4D Podcast Network. You can always come check us out on the website at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. And remember, we each and every episode is recorded at the beautiful First Pitch Studios. Now with that, again, also check us out on social media. Uh, Twitter, the handle is at Talking Twins, and our Facebook Webpage address is www.facebook.com slash Talking Twins. So for Daryl Yates, I'm Bradley Swanson. 
Thanks for joining us this week. Hope you had a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed uh, Jeremy Nygaard, Down on the Farm, all the, all the great stuff this week. We'll be back with you guys in just a, a short time, less than two weeks away. We'll be talking some more Twins baseball. With that, go Twins, and we'll talk to you soon next time on Talking Twins. Talking baseball in Minnesota.